Okay, so uh, just to frame this one, it does happen that people of all ages and all walks of life come, try a few things at Spiro Horse, and then sometimes uh, they seek permission or offer their services to stay for a whole summer. And um, quite often there are young maidens and young warriors who take up this challenge and uh, or want to put themselves in the line in that way, which I kind of love because it's an old style it's an old style level of exchange, like, uh, would you like me to support you during your summer campaign? And uh, I can be here. I usually have to be a little bit on the younger side just to be that footloose and not have all the commitments somewhere, houses, kids, and so forth. So um, this evening, while the storm rages outside and the, the acorns are, and the raindrops, hopefully not too many, are hammering away on the shingles, we have gusts that must be like 70, 80, 90 up in the top car park. I felt like 100 miles an hour. And uh, I'm sitting with Paddy Fane? Frayne. Frayne. <laughs> Patrick Frayne, who uh, has been with us pretty much the whole summer campaign and offered his services in that fashion. And tomorrow he's leaving, so we're going to see this opportunity. He has also, I don't know whether it was inspired or not, we've just come out of a few days of the beautiful speech workshop talking about vigils and vision quests and ways to go to a place far from humans in, into the natural world and to find there that place of inspiration or teaching. And I suppose I made quite a big deal of it that you go to nature to find what you really need, the true gifts and so forth. I don't have to got anything to do with Patty's experience, but I'm just going to throw it in anyway. And, uh, and uh, at, the end of, uh, at the end of those two or three days of talking, one went off to the mountain, one George, uh, for four days of walking to the... Cataridris Crazy Mountain. We were looking for the seat of poetry. We'll go into that one another time. And uh, Paddy, who I'm sitting with right now, decided that uh, three days, no one had done this, three days in our cave here. There's a, there's a cave in the mountain at the foot of a steep and tumbling and wild waterfall in the oak woods there. And most people consider it quite an experience to go in there for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or maybe half an hour or People go there occasionally to sing, even occasionally to drum, or just to be inside the mountain for a period of time. And by the time you get in there, it's pitch black, and uh, you just get to feel the solid rock all around you. It's a lovely place to visit with a candle for a few minutes, but um, Paddy here decided uh, three days and three nights without any food and without any water uh, in in one spot without being allowed to move and with the mouth of the cave covered up just in case he got any hint of day or night. And so, and coming out of that, looking fairly shiny, uh, decided to share a few thoughts about uh, what it's like to return to the world and what it was like in there. So, Paddy, over to you. you just come out of the cave. You're looking all right. Uh, you're proving it can be done. We didn't have to uh, bring him out on a stretcher. Uh, you've had a little bit of soup and you're looking healthy, man. What, what do you want to say about your time in there? Let's start there, if you don't mind. Yeah, thanks for that intro, Shiv. Um, it was very much inspired by, well, it was catapulted by beautiful speech. I think I came to you earlier in the year, actually, and said, oh, I've had this idea about going into the cave. You know? And uh, I'm doing three days in there. I think initially you said like, I don't need to do three days, just do like, just do one night. I remember you saying about uh, one of the Native Americans standing with the Chinooper and yeah. just holding that up in the air. So you don't, you don't need three days, you need to go for 
you know, one day and do with the intensity. Go for intensity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of sat on the idea of going into the cave for a little while. I kind of like fell out of my awareness, wrapped up in the other goings on over the summer. And then um, as, I, as we did Beautiful Speech, and there was always talk about going into the mountains and challenging yourself and taking yourself off kind of like rekindled that fire within me. It was like, and, and I'm leaving, as, as you said, I'm leaving tomorrow. So it was now or never, you know? Um, so it's, it was, uh, the reason I chose three days as well, rather than just doing a single night as yeah. well, was, um, it didn't scare me. The idea of doing a single night didn't really scare me. Um, you just go in the cave and be in there for a night and come out again. And I didn't really see the point in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> too easy yeah well i mean you gotta you've, you've got to go in there to like there's got to be something in there for you hasn't there and, and for me it was about facing fears really um, yeah yeah we, we talked about it before you went and um and you caught me by surprise because as soon as we finished that beautiful speech you know three days in the roundhouse chatting away about stuff uh, George is like, right, well, I'm going to the mountain. Uh, anything you need to say to me? And I was like, well, yeah, okay. Uh, and then I'm going to the caves. <laughs> we briefly talked. But um, mm -hmm. as you said, you, need, you, you were looking for a place you could face fear and a threshold that would be strong enough to bring something up. Mm. And you never quite know how those things are going to go. I can't say I've ever sat in a cave for three nights and three days. I have sat in caves uh, and done other mad things for stretches of time. But sometimes it turns out to be very easy. Sometimes it can be terrifying, depending on. So I know you were looking for a strong enough threshold that you mm. could really feel it. And we were both talking too about how sometimes in the more hardcore Vipassana schools, they will uh, encourage you to w welcome fear and, and, and stay welcoming that for days on end in a, with hardcore meditation. So your fears didn't come? Not really. <laughs> So maybe that's it. Maybe when the when you turn your horns to the wind, mm. uh, which we often say, yeah, come on, bring it on, kind of then uh, it's not there anymore. Mm. And when you're running away from it, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the things that I was, I was scared before I went in. Uh, I was I was scared before I went in. And I couldn't like rationalize that fear. It was like, I know I'm not going to die in there. The only thing that's going to happen to me is like fabrications of the mind, like whatever the mind brings up is what I'm gonna have to deal with. Yeah. I knew physically, it wasn't gonna be a physical ordeal. Um, it was all emotional and mental. Although we didn't really know because it's a pretty damp, well, cold place yeah. in there. So mm -hmm. I didn't know. So he's probably gonna be okay, but hang on. Yeah. How cold and damp does it get in there? And we're mm -hmm. talking about well inside the mountain. Mm -hmm. So those were the two things I was scared of actually, like the being freezing cold from the get go and having just, just shiver for three days and uh not drinking i've never done a dry fast before it's my first first dry fast um and actually the dry fast was fine it was it didn't really there was only this morning when i woke up with a banging headache after the second night i woke up and i had a headache and i was like oh god this is rough like how am i gonna do the next day and a half um but then it went up when i started meditating um my mouth was just salivating i don't know I, I feel like i could feel things releasing in my body and then coming up into my mouth and becoming spittle <laughs> which which actually seems to sustain me um 
Yeah. So that was the second day. But then when I woke up this morning, oh man, my head was pounding and I, I felt like an animal. I woke up like, I need water. You know, like that real primal need, you know. And uh, I got my boots, put my boots on and I went to the very edge of the cave at, at the at the end. I was camped, I was camped. <laughs> I took in a pallet, set the scene a little bit here. Took in a couple of pallets yeah. uh, and a mat to sleep on and sleeping bag and baby bag. So it was, it was quite warm. I didn't Sounds like a luxury. Yeah? Two pallets, a sleeping bag <laughs> and half a blanket. Hotel de Frayne. It was nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and a little piss bucket as well. So I'd, um, yeah. So I was about two meters from the end, end of the cave because the very end of the cave was just constant stream of, well, drips coming mm. from various mm. places. And I was like, I'm, I don't need to put myself under that. Um, so I went to that end and I kind of put my mouth against the ceiling <laughs> and I drank a few drips. Um, but it tasted like, it tasted like mold. Like, uh, yeah, and it, it wasn't good. And I was like, nah, this is, this is not worth it. So I went back to, to my, my space. And, uh, I, when I started meditating again, uh, again, the, f the first kind of just went away and it stayed away actually. So for the rest of today, I actually had a really good day today. Today was today was like a really great day. <laughs> Ema was asking me because she's a veteran of a forty-two day fast, and she said, "Well, ask him, ask him how he got on with the dry fast. How was that?" So, I guess that's your answer that there was a craving for water. After there all. was, there was, but actually, like in hindsight, I would have been fine if I hadn't had those couple of drips. And it was literally just like a few drips in the mouth, and I was like, "Nah, not that." Mm. So, um, and today I felt fine. I imagine if I had stayed another night it would have got a bit worse the headache would every day the headache would get a bit worse and you'd be like oh fuck i really need to like sort myself out here i've just <laughs> i've just been for a piss outside am i a long way from being properly rehydrated yet yeah yeah but, um, although that when you're going like that if if you do get like a little like if you had half a cup of hot salty soup mm -hmm. it'll probably keep you going for a few more days wouldn't yeah, it it's sure, just yeah. it's those little tiny yeah. Things like a little bit of salt, a little bit of anything, a tiny bit, even a cup of fruit juice or something, you'd probably go another day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's, I mean, we know that people do go looking for these deeper experiences. We talked about it where you basically go through some kind of torture. And actually, it's quite comfortable. It's a bit like, it's a bit like doing, did you do your Vipassana? Did you did you end up sitting so, and yeah, yeah, yeah. meditating? So all I all really, I mean, I had nothing to do other than when I wasn't sleeping was just meditate, you know. I tried like just being in prayer, but um, because I've not, I've not been initiated really into like the kind of shamanic way of doing spiritual practice as much. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, like I've got my Vipassana practice, like I know what I'm doing there. Um, and it was, it was really powerful actually. Like I, the first day I was all over the place. I couldn't, I couldn't sit like for long periods. I was restless. I just avoided, just didn't want to do the practice. And it was a real struggle. That was actually one of the biggest things that came up was on the first day, I was like, wow, you can sit for 10 hours a day easily of a passenger. Like, why, why are you struggling here? I guess like the, because I never knew when an hour was up. There was no like boundaries. So when I'm at, when I'm at a passenger, it's like, okay, well, you sit from now until the bell goes. And even when I knew that the bell was in three hours time, you know, I did some three hour sits mm. of a passenger. I was like, okay, I can sit for three hours because I'm just waiting for that bell. I do not move until the bell goes. Whereas when you're in the cave, there's no bells, there's no light, there's no nothing to tell you when that time's up. So it's literally like, well, when have you had enough? 
And it's like, you've got to decide for yourself, like when you've had enough. And then, you know, if you, if you cripple yourself in the first day, then what happens afterwards? Maybe I should have done it that way. But actually what, what came through for me was, I think you like, if you really want to break yourself, unless, unless you're broken easily by like going into for, for a night or something or yeah. going in for one day, you need someone there to like subject you to the torture. <laughs> I think you see this is it because it, you're not. It's not so far away from being in some monastic situation. Maybe you get a drier cell, and you know, maybe it's a bit easier to lie down. I don't know if you manage that or not, but you could you could stay in there for a month. Yeah, um, if you had water. Yeah, and if you got your blanket and if you got water and you mm -hmm. just do your practice and that's that. So, because people come here all the time with like, I'm doing vision quest and I always have a slight kind of, oh, are you now? And I, I go off into something, usually outside, you know, on top of the mountain or on the edge of the mountain or even by the water. I think, well, unless you've got a hardcore practice, nothing much is going to happen here. Yeah. Like we're talking about now, mm -hmm. standing there and uh, um, holding your prayer stick or something there or putting the body into physical torture. And then if you do that, that's your threshold. And there are there are some interesting positions and this has all been worked out by the by the hindus without even necessarily going to the americas to look at vision quest where you hold this posture for a couple of hours you know things are going to start to psychically move seriously like your body will start to shake and vibrate and that's when you know that things are being loosened up and under the direction of a teacher that could be like they know what's going to happen and then you're ripe for some kind of initiation or something to happen but people make it up on their own thinking well i'll just go out and sit in nature for a few days it could be the most boring thing you ever do which is why i was asking <laughs> you what practice you're going to do and it's kind of like you're going to sit and meditate or are you going to do your torture you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, or like i'm going to stand up the whole time mm. or, so, or some crazy thing like that and maybe if we're looking for a threshold experience, then you do have to test yourself in every way. And that can be very, very hard, which is why I've always said to people, right, do one night, but do something really tough. Yeah. And and, and hold one thought, one prayer as best you can and, and almost have your deal with the unseen world, whatever it would be, kind of talking to the gods, making yourself highly visible, like, I'm not leaving until I get what I want, mm. which is an old style thing where you're yeah. calling down the gods on the other hand, you can just say, right, let's just go deep into the earth and meditate and stay still. So where were you on that? <laughs> so if I was to do it again, I would, well, there's a couple of things I would either do. I'd either go in and not come out until I found, until I felt like, all right, I've got the thing. Yeah, you, you, and it doesn't matter how long it is. Don't tell someone to come and get you in three days. You just go in and you do not come out until something's broken. Um, or, I mean, what, what made today quite interesting actually was I, uh, after not eating anything for a couple of days, before yeah. I went in, well, as I went in, I had, had a small handful of mushrooms, <laughs> which wasn't actually the best thing in the world because I was so tired before we went in after beautiful speech. And, um, you know, I, I was just really fatigued. So I couldn't really like stay fully focused and present and my discipline was all over the place. Mm. Um, so after a few hours of just trying to like fight myself and the tiredness, I just was like, all right, I'm just gonna just lie down. And I was just like out like a light. Um, but then, yeah, so then I woke up, I had the, f the first full day, which was boring. 
it actually, so I had, what, what my idea was is I didn't want to have any lighting at all. And we managed to eliminate like 95, I don't know, percent of the light. Yeah, it's funny because it's pitch black if you walk in there, but of course yeah. your eyes are custom and accustomed yeah. and accustomed, don't they? So. Yeah, well, it was the level, that level of, uh, yeah, <clears throat> customment, if that's a word, which surprised me because at first, even over the first night, I couldn't see anything. The first day, you know, when in the daytime, I couldn't see anything. Dow had blocked off the door with uh, with the tarp. And, um, but then in the morning, when I went to take a piss in the bucket, there was a tiny ray of light coming. I was like, <gasps> so I tried to like, every time I went for a piss, then afterwards I would like block in, block on my eyes, you know? Cause I had heard that if you spend three days in darkness, then the brain starts to- Things start to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you start having visions and stuff like that. And I've never been particularly good at visions. I think actually Vipassana bred visions out of me. Cause like the Vipassana is so, staunchly like just sensations like anything that's not a sensation just don't pay any attention go back to the sensations so now when i journey with like any other medicines uh mushrooms or you know ayahuasca or anything like it it, it doesn't become visual for me mm. it's it's um it's a very energetic experience um and yeah like i didn't get i didn't get visuals as i have in the past here and i don't know if it's because it's like tiny rays of light were coming in or what uh, I don't know if, if I'd waited another few days maybe they would started but I, I'm yeah. not sure but yeah that first the first day was uh, a lot of resistance a lot of resistance a lot of like what are you doing here like nothing's gonna happen you're just gonna sit here in the dark for three days like and then went through all of that was trying to meditate as best as I could start I did find the groove with the meditation again like um, cause I've been a little bit slack on my Vipassana practice since I've been back here, just in, in the flow of whatever, what, what we do here and, uh, allow myself just fully engage with that. Yeah. Uh, so it took me basically a whole day and a half to get back into my Vipassana practice. So when I woke up on the second day, I was like, right, I'm back in the swing of it. It's a bit like strong. a muscle that hasn't been used with pastor, isn't it? Yeah, you do, it was, yeah. You, you, you can be out of practice and in practice mm -hmm. or something, so it's not an entirely natural, open thing, but mm -hmm. um, it's a discipline, isn't it, that you have to engage with. Mm -hmm. So boredom is always like one of the first things you've got to go through, isn't it? Yeah. Boredom, I think people underestimate it or something. Like mm -hmm. uh, some of the four-day things I've done, that, that's been the biggest enemy. Like yeah. I don't mind the discomfort. I don't mind sitting here forever. It's just boring just and I just want to change <laughs> yeah. anything like real, like real craving. Like, yeah. can just I make just it awful? Like, <laughs> yeah. Even if it was like, even if it got tougher yeah, rather yeah, yeah. than it just being nothing, yeah. like too much of nothing. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was really boring. Especially like, yeah, on the second day, that boredom, like kind of intensified as well. Um, it was, it did, the days did drag. Like the days really dragged on, and especially the second day as well. Actually, I think I slept really well the first day, uh, but then the second day, it just seemed to go on forever. And I was just like, what the way I was trying to um, work out time it was like working out from my body clock. All right, well, I've just woken up, it's probably like I don't know, seven or eight o'clock. And then if I just do, if I do my Vipassana scans, if I move my awareness through my body, you know. If I do that really slowly, it might take me an hour to go up and down. So that was, I was basically counting how many times I've done this through the day. And it just, time just seemed to freeze. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I had the whole thing of like, well, how do you break through? Like what? Like I know there's a kind of quote unquote spirit realm. I know there's like visions yeah. to be had. I know there's like, I know there's this other frequency of consciousness that can be accessed. Like, what have I got to do to get there? Like, like, is it about prayer? Like, how, how do I, how do I open myself up? Like, like, is the passing going to take me there or what? Yeah, yeah. I think this, this is a really good question. I mean, you're, uh, I started to feel old watching uh, George head off in one way, everyone else talking about it, and you going into the cave. It's, uh, felt like that too. I mean, you're, <clears throat> you're what, in your early 30s now. And for me, it was just be that kind of, yeah, let's go and I'll stay on top of that mountain for four days. And I did that a few times. And, uh, and then, like, oh, there's that cave. I think I'm just going to stay here all night and then try and, you know, cross my legs and stay in the same posture for as long as I could. And that always felt to me like, yeah, something amazing is going to happen. But it didn't. No. And after a while, I thought, no, I'm not doing this again. Mm-hmm. I did other things for a much shorter period of time. And I, 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 why I, I, st- I steer people away from d- long vigils like that unless they have a particular practice. Now, you brought it up there, how to break through. Because that's often what we're looking for. It's like, we notice more. We notice something deeper, which is why I've often said to people, don't bother going out there doing a vision quest, sitting under a tree or sitting by the waterfall, doing enlightenment intensive. Basically, this is like more of a kind of white man's way of going about it. And then Vipassana is a very particular thing where you sit, you know, traditionally sit in your cell and you practice on your own. You spend time and you pop in and see the teacher every day or something. That's a very specific practice that just requires a posture, maybe a cushion, somewhere to lie down occasionally, not much, mm-hmm. and uh, enough food and whatever. That's a particular practice that they don't necessarily translate. Mm-hmm. Now, it's been a little bit of time in an ashram in India with this tantric uh, teacher, Raj Kumar, and uh, it really impressed me. He called me over one day, Shivam, we'll come here. And he didn't mean, do this, and he showed me a posture, you know, slightly leaning forward with my hands leaning forward. It looked like nothing. Stood up. And I, I, I stood up, yeah. Later I found out that he told various people to do it for 10 minutes before giving them some mantra to say, tell me to do it for an hour. And I thought, well, all right, I can do it for an hour, even though I'm getting on a bit and I've always had these lower back problems. And I thought, oh, that's going to kick in the lower back thing, isn't it? And like, So after 10 minutes, I was shaking. and But it was going like, I'm going to do it. Maybe I lie. It, was, it might not even have been an hour. It might have been something like half an hour. But like it was an eternity. It was like this is my limit. You know, I was right on the limit the whole time. And there's something like. And then later that night, he did do this kind of Shiva initiation. And but whatever he'd done in the morning to me, uh, and then sit in the sun all afternoon reciting something, it something really happened that night. You know, I don't know what he was doing. Sprinkling water, putting lights, told me to go and make an offering in the fire. There was a. He knew what he was doing. I didn't know what he was doing, but. That evening, like, oh, you know, there's something really happened. And it's like as if he knew, what, you know, what to do. Like, it all planned out. Do this in the morning, do that practice in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. We, we, don't, we don't know that stuff or yeah. we don't know that here. And um, I'm, I have been looking for that intensity. But at the same time, we wanted to make sure you're going to come out of that cave. Or like, not be <laughs> sure, but it was like, wouldn't it be a relief if he comes out okay? And I thought, well, he's just sitting in a cave. He's going to be all right, isn't he? Yeah. And um I, I thought, well, what could go wrong? But you just never know because we don't. I mean, maybe she could be in the cave for ten days or something. You know, who yeah. knows? But um, we don't. Yeah, those breakthrough practices. I don't know if we found the right one. 
for say people from our culture and in this time with the with the knowledge and skill we have that those old traditions they, they 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 know the psychic channels they know how it works and so forth so i think we're just grappling away at um yeah i think uh, it's different for different people as well in it because like t- like the old way of spiritual practice was you'd have this very close relationship between guru and disciple for yeah decades you know the, the, they would know each other so well so the teacher would know what the student needed you know all the time and what the next step was and and could tailor the whole practice for them. Whereas here, this is one thing that frustrates me about Vipassana, actually. It's just like a factory, you know. <laughs> here you go, this is how you do Vipassana meditation. You know, there's no, there's no like personal relationship with the teacher. And uh, and because of that, I think it make, they make it really safe. Like I really get the feeling like they don't give you the full story of Vipassana. Like, there's obviously so much more going on, uh, but they've got to do it in such a way that uh, people don't pop you know, I've got a friend who popped at Dharma Dipper and she got no support whatsoever. She was just mm. told she can't come back. Because, uh, I mean, spiritual practice is a dangerous game, you know. You do too much yeah, yeah. Do, do too much Kundalini stuff, like but you'll blow a fuse. You know? I started going mad once in Thailand after about, I don't know, what was something like day 10, 11, 12 or something. And then I had this, you know, 7 o'clock interview with the teacher and, but like I was stomping about, I suppose you're doing walking, contemplating, stomping <laughs> about the room uh, with these d- demons jumping out of me. I was like, oh, you know, hell with this. I'm not sitting here doing this anymore. Real like inner, inner riotously angry demon. When I told the teacher in the morning, I'm oh, yeah, what are you doing? Day, day 11, 12, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they were pretty intense. I mean, it was like meditating yeah. all day kind of thing. So. I do, the, the, the road is known in Vipassana and then it's just carry on. It's never, yeah. um, and that is, you know, it's a school of thought that's been carried down from Lord Buddha. So they know what they're doing there. But from people like our culture, there's two, there's two ways of looking. One is I'm going out into nature and I want something to happen, right? Mm. Psychically, I want a different state of consciousness, isn't it? You know, even if it's just for a moment. And then the other is I'm going out and I, I'm just, my body going there is like a prayerful statement and the effects of that may come later. You know, mm-hmm. you pay tribute to the mountain, you pay tribute, you know, if it's a holy mountain like Kadar we're sometimes talking about here or any mountain, or I'm, I'm going to go and sit by the wallflower and just, off, and just offer my body to nature. I'm going to, go, I'm going to leave behind other human beings. It's like ingredient number one. And maybe that in itself is just a prayer, just to, and if I need to go through something during that time, May I go through it? It's a kind of prayer, you know, like you did with your fear, you know. Well, all right, maybe I need to face something. And then when you go there, because you've decided to face it and because you stick it out and you make an offering almost, a sacrifice towards it, it's kind of like, well, that's my statement and I did open myself up and there was a chance there for anything that wants to test me. So you're approaching yourself as you go into nature and leave behind the all interaction of the human place and that in itself maybe is like uh, it, a, a foundational stone or something. You know that in yourself that, well, I I went there saying, so bring it on. Mm. And then and often it turns out the demons are like mostly when you face the demon, mm-hmm. the demon ain't so yeah, scary. Yeah, yeah. Well, you asked me that, you asked me a question before I went in when we were having that discussion. Um, and you said, is there, are there any parts of yourself that you're scared of? And I was like, like I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we've all had things happen to us 
throughout life. You know, I was, I was like, I think I've dealt with like most of my heavy baggage. You know, most of the, most of the big stuff that nearly clearing, I think it's kind of mostly done now. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'm not. Like, maybe something big will come up. You know, maybe it'll, maybe like real fears about other things will come up. And one, and I was digging for my fears. I was like, yeah. all right, what am I scared of? What yeah. am I scared of? And what I came, this is, is quite a funny thing. Actually, one of the things I, I realized I was most scared of is being thought of as a pussy, <laughs> being thought of as soft, you know, and, <laughs> and a coward, you know, not being strong. And I was like, oh shit, should I leave now? Like on day two? Like, should I, All right, should that, I, should that I bottle been, it? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like do you. I face my fear? <laughs> By not doing the full thing and going out and telling everyone, look, I just had enough. <laughs> you know, like is is the thing I'm really scared of most, like, um, like it, the ego, like you know, smash the, to the ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone think, oh, Pad went out there. You know, he tried, but he didn't. He didn't do. Didn't go the distance. You know. And I really sat with that for a bit, and I was like, maybe I should leave. And then I was in this weird. I couldn't work out if it was like truth of what I was supposed to do or there was still more for like it was just like the mind trying to be like all right we've had enough of this now let's get out of here uh, yeah I, you know, I don't know, I don't know I don't if you can do this thing like I set out to destroy my ego it no. doesn't usually work because yeah. usually it's the ego designed to destroy the ego so it can yeah. be even bigger and stronger yeah. it, and it, the, the only way around the ego often is say yep yeah, I have an ego yeah. uh, um, I like to be better than everyone else or whatever it is yeah, yeah. and accept that that is it, you know, you have got that going on. And that's a kind of like, yeah, you could, once you start to, oh, I want to rise above it or not have it or get rid of it, and all these maneuverings will lead you into a kind of a dance. Yeah. And at the end of which, if you win, the ego will be even happier rather than, yeah. I'd like to be better than everyone else. I'm proud, I'm, I want to be big, I want to be the cleverest, the fastest or whatever it is. Yeah. Or I just happen to be, and I can't help feeling good about myself. <laughs> it's, it, it's best to just like, yeah, that is. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Ajashanti writes about that. You know, I thought that was a really good point when he used to go along to this meditation thing and kind of had some feeling that he could sit for longer and better than everybody else, and he tried to get rid of that feeling for ages until, in the end, he's like, no, I am better than this one, and I, <laughs> and just let the feeling be there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like this kind of idea that you, that you can outsmart the ego is usually... Yeah, you can um, waste a lot of time and energy trying Yeah, to which is why the subtlety of these practices were, or the traditions that have worked it out, like you do this practice and it gets results. Mm-hmm. And I respect a lot. A lot. I, I'm not a massive fan of Vipassana just, but um, it is it, 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 um, it is a path that's, that's been worked out and they know what's going to happen to you. And um, it's it, the same thing happens to all of us. We're not that dissimilar, you know. Some of us got bigger, stronger egos than others and so forth. But uh, trying to work it out by yourself or outsmart yourself don't really doesn't work, work, you know. Work, yeah. And maybe in the dark, there, there are other practices, and certainly the Tibetans have um, you know, dark practices. But then you have to be ready for that, and they're very specific, and certain mm-hmm. initiations are given, and you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing, and maybe visualization works on a different level or something like that. But again, it's like when we're trying to create a way for ourselves it's very individual and personal and it's very hit and miss mm-hmm. and if we like you say if we had our teachers and gurus and guides then and and part of a tradition then it's kind of like 
put him in there for a week, this will happen. And it's yeah. a little bit more, you know, predictable and, and supported. And but it's uh, there's something about it. Like we are drawn to it. You know, there's 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 adventures and skirmishes with danger and death that we're drawn to as teenagers and in our twenties and in our thirties. And it's that I think that's a very what's the word? It's a noble and and um, it's a valid thing when you say like. I'm ready for the next stage of my life and I want to test myself. And then you just dream, you feel, you know, okay, whatever it is, you get drawn towards the mountain or the cave <laughs> or somewhere else and it's got to be done. Yeah. And maybe not that much comes of it, maybe not necessarily that much comes of it, but it's done somehow yeah. and you have faced yourself and you you have got to that point of being less scared of yourself. And many people are scared of themselves and they'll do anything like, oh, I signed up for this course, but mm, not sure if it's the right thing for me anymore. Like, there's a great stage to get to, like, I don't know everything about myself. And by the way, you never will. Mm. It's an unfathomable mystery that goes on forever and ever. But not to be scared of yourself. Like, what, if something comes up, let it come up. Yeah. Yeah. So. And to want that to happen, will it bring it on, is changes yeah. the game. Yeah. I feel like I've tried to do that a lot of my life, really. Just, like, constantly do things that were scary to me. You know, when I was in my 20s, it was. Yeah, my teens, teens and twenties, it's all about jumping off cliffs and doing backflips and stuff like that. Now I was sat in the cave and realized like, fuck, I'm just doing the same thing. Apart from now it's instead of backflipping off a great big cliff, yeah. it's now I'll do a 10 day fast. No, I was going to ask you. Sit is, in a cave for three days. What are you trying, is it, are you trying to prove something to yourself? Exactly, yeah, this is, is like, that, I remember doing those things too. I'm going to jump off the highest stone into the, you know, into the, into the plunge pool knowing full well that there's only a couple of inches to spare before yeah. we crack against the bottom. And like, I got to do it. I got to do it. I don't feel I got to do that anymore. No. <laughs> well, I think this is the thing, isn't it? Like in your early twenties or your twenties and maybe even into your thirties, like it's all about the physical body, isn't it? Like you've roughed my, yourself up a bit I've, with a few of these yeah, things, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've broken a lot of bones. <laughs> like getting bitten by a seagull <laughs> in Galway. Go, no, go out for a really night's drink cool. and come back with a great big scratch across your nose about four millimeters away from your eyeball Yeah, because you decide to play with a seagull. I caught the bastard there. I caught it. I, was... <laughs> 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 I just ne I was looking at all these seagulls being cheeky little bastards running along, nicking people's pizza. I'm like, I'm going to get one of you. I'm going to fucking have you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, just, it was just a little game, you know. It was a funny little game to play at three in the morning around all those drunk Irish people. <laughs> Now, yeah. you, you've been riding with Spirit Horse for the summer pretty much, and uh, I know you're off on other adventures now, mm -hmm. and uh, with old Blessing, why not? But um, anything else you want to say about, uh, apart from the cave? Yeah. Oh, well, actually, there, are, there, is, there is a couple of other little things about the cave <laughs> that yeah, I haven't got to yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, as I mentioned, I had a banging day today. I woke up, and I was like, I'm getting out of the cave today. I'm doing it. Like, this is, they're they're going to come and get me. You know, it's... I've just got to sit out for the next 16 hours or whatever it is. You know, I've broke the back of it. I'm on the, I'm on the uh, home straight. Um, uh, a couple of things that did work for me, actually. I spent a lot of time in, like, the dream world. Um, so I don't normally do this. Normally, like, when I wake up, there's always something to do, you know. I get up, oh, God, God. Mm. Even if it's get on with practices, you know, I just get up, right, got to do my day. Um, whereas I didn't know how long I'd been asleep for. There was no alarms. There was no one there. Like you got to get up, and the more time 
I lay down, the less time I had to sit in posture. <laughs> uh, but I actually had some amazing dreams. And, um, and actually what came through for me, it was interesting. As the Vipassana practice really started to land, another thing came through, which is, what would you just call it? Maybe like, um, what's it called? Jungi, like the Jungian active imagination. You know? So you kind of sit there, you sit there with an idea and you kind of like allow the idea to play out and unfold. And one of the things, one of the intentions that I went into was uh, into the cave with was what, what am I doing next year? Like what, what, what's my path? Like where am I going next year? Uh, and I had this like really strong, I don't know if you call it a vision, but like this, this whole idea of running an event, you know, running an event and, Mm-hmm. It was, uh, yeah, like a, like an aquathon. So in Scotland, my friends uh, got a fishery, of, um, and yeah, there's a couple of lakes there, and it's at the bottom of a big hill. And I came up with this really elaborate day. It's going to be about family, and uh, you know, people can come and run up the mountain, run down the other side, swim through the lake, and then get on a water slide. And you you finish by going through the water slide, and there's a big barbecue, and we have music playing, and it's like, shit, I'm gonna I want to run this event next year. You know, so I had this really elaborate exploration of uh, of my life path of something that I actually really want to do, uh, and it was that I guess like in some ways was when I sat with it, it was like wow like this is this is what I came for you know. Yeah, well, you're at that age, aren't you? What are you? 33? Thirty three. Thirty one. Thirty one. Yeah. Okay, so you're on this kind of like I always think it's a very important time. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right, but uh, between twenty eight and thirty three. Something's got to happen yeah. uh, uh, to feel like the cycle of life is going to catch you, the Saturn return or whatever. Mm-hmm. Starts to that around the 28 and then gets a little bit more intense. Mm-hmm. And it, it's got to be to feel satisfied anyway. I reckon if you're bang on the cycle, it, to feel satisfied, it's got to be happening by the time you're 33. Right, yeah. And uh, But that's actual in, you know, planted in the ground kind of happening. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then there's this sort of, not exactly to say it's painful, but it can be intense and insistent mm-hmm. desire to follow what am i gonna do and like, i could yeah. do this i could do that um and then the drivers that could often be negative ones well i know i can't yeah. do that mm-hmm. or i know i can't do this or i've been doing this for a while but there's more and then there's a, like that's a, a very important and I, I have a lot of respect or interest in that because it, it was a very very creative time for me but but also a slightly torturous uh, kind of until you find the steering wheel of yeah. like, where, where is it this is it that that's and really where I'm at now I've got there's a few things I've been working on for a few years now it's like ah like how do I pull it together and it's like being here and, and seeing you like in ritual and you know part of me forgets that you've been doing this for 30 years you know like when I when I do my thing or whatever it's going to be it's not going to look like this you know <laughs> certainly not straight away you know, um, yeah, I was intensely bothered by it all when I was about 31, 32, and, and 33, I came to this valley and started doing it. And it's like, mm. I did not think, oh, I'm ready to, you know, start a, start a whole new, whatever you would call it, <laughs> yeah. culture or something. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, not at all, but, but it's still like, but it's like, but I've got to give it a try. Mm. I've got to see where it goes. Mm. And the, the universe wasn't going to wait any longer. It's like, mm. you know, now make it happen. Mm. Do, do start begin yeah. yeah so the other the other big thing that happened was um i was woke up today was doing my practices had this pretty cool visual visualization finger and i was like right 
I'm going to finish the mushrooms that are in my jar. So I had this like quite big handful of mushrooms here, probably probably like two or three grams. And um, uh, they started kicking in. Uh, and then I did a really powerful breathwork practice. And that blew me open. That like, that got me to where I want to be. And that's when the demons came out, you know, I was like, um, it's funny, I've had a lot of breath work practices and a lot of different things where of, of releasing this pain in the body or the trauma in the body or trapped emotion or whatever you want to call it. Um, and often they look quite similar. It just seems to be an infinite reservoir of pain and trauma. You know, it just doesn't matter how many times you do this. Remember the first time I did it, I was like, oh, wow, I've just like healed my trauma. Great. Like that was so, such a huge, powerful release. And I was like, oh, actually there's a little bit more in there. And it seems like it doesn't matter how many times you do it, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's a good this. point. People think, oh, I've released it all. Have you but fucking? No. <laughs> it's yeah, like you it's said, there's forever. more tomorrow and there's going to be yeah. more the day after. Yeah. But you get comfortable about releasing. Yes. Right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Not rather, you're never going to get rid of it all. Yeah. Yeah, and also you get comfortable with the releasing process as well. So yeah. I kind of went into the breath and like, I'm more familiar with it now. So like in the past, when I first started learning breath work, it was like, okay, well you do you do 30 big breaths and you do the breath hold and then you do it again. And whereas now, because I've done it a lot, like I, I know to just follow the signs of the body and the body yeah. knows what to do. Yeah. Like once you once you break into the nervous system, once the nervous system's like, you get that initial shock from like, 60 deep breaths, whatever it is, the nervous system just activates and then whatever's stored in there will come out. Yeah, so I was, I was lay there and it, and it went through these big waves and it got to the, it got to the roaring point again, like the point where like the, the primal scream came yeah. out, you know, and, and that, it felt good. It felt good. There was like, so much energy. I mean, cause I've tried to do that primal scream before, like when, when it's not quite ripe, you know, you sit in a waterfall and you scream at the waterfall, but it's like, it just blows you, makes you hoarse. Forcing it. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's not coming from the real place. Whereas mm. like once, once you get to that, the you actually access where that trapped energy is held and then it comes through of its own accord. It was like, I mean, my back was arched. And I, I felt like an animal, you know, it's like a monster. It was like the demon was yeah. coming out and like, I shouted that cave down, you know, I, oh man. Um, and then, and then it took it took a long time to come back after that actually, and just like bring myself back to center. And I was like, wow, like shit, they're gonna be here soon. Like, <laughs> and I was like, oh fuck, they're gonna come and get me. I was like, I didn't, I didn't want anyone to come at that point. I was like, I'm in the middle of something here. Like, I, I can't stop this. I don't want to stop this. Like, I've got like hoping and praying like they don't come. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, I had another couple of hours, uh, and I kind of came back to center, started doing the vipassana again, and got a bit bored again. I was like, oh, you should be here by now. Like, what the fuck, where's everyone? <laughs> and um, and I was sitting there thinking like, I could do another day here. Like, it's not the fear, like, I, I'm quite comfortable. I could do another day easily. I could probably do a few more days, you know? And I was sitting like, I'm, I'm, I'm just chilling. This is nice. And I was like, okay, but they are gonna come. And I wanna be like, you know, I wanna be ready for it. And I felt relaxed, I felt calm. And then I heard the drum. fuck is that them because i'd heard a lot of weird noises through the thing like weird like dogs barking uh -huh. like boulders crashing <clears throat> i don't know how much of it was real there was one point where i thought there was like kids like laughing and screaming outside 
a lot of weird noises. And I was just like, okay, can't make sense of this. Doesn't matter. Um, but just, yeah, just like periodic sounds. Like every now and every like six to eight hours, this big crash would happen. And I don't know, maybe it was rocks falling off the waterfall or something, but it was, it was periodic. The same noise would happen. Uh, but anyway, so I digress. Um, at that point, that was the first definite sound of like, oh my God, they're coming. And, and the wave of relief and excitement, joy, I don't know. Like, just, like it was, it took me by surprise, actually. I thought I was uh -huh. just going to walk out and be really casual and be like, oh yeah, you know. <laughs> but I was not casual. Man. I was, I was in floods of tears by the time I came out. Oh yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it it really did take me by surprise. As I said, I felt I felt chilled out, and then I heard the drum, and I was like, "Oh my god, they're here! They're coming!" And it actually, it was the most eerie sound with the bell as well. The, oh god, the bell! It just like sent shivers through my spine. It was almost scary. It was scary, you know, it was a terrifying noise. And then I'll tell them to go in there singing gently, not banging drums and bells. <laughs> no, it, it was gentle, but it was it was beautiful. But it was just like such a stark contrast from anything that I'd heard for the last three days. It was yeah. just like, oh shit. Like, and now's the time. Oh my God, I'm going to come out. Like, um, and then, yeah, when they pulled, when they pulled the cover back, the light just flooded in. I couldn't believe how bright it was, even mm. at the very end of the cave. Like, my eyes, yeah, my eyes, are, I mean, when you first go in, you can't see a thing. That's right. Yeah. And it seems complete darkness. And then when it's pulled back after three days, it's like, wow, it's like, you know, floodlights uh and then i walked out and i was just i was in bits wasn't i i was just like i was just booing <laughs> did, did, didn't you have any kind of like i don't have to be with these beings anymore you know when you've been a, even though for a few a days a little bit a little bit in a way yeah i was just like oh what do i say like I was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was just such deep appreciation you know because everyone everyone came up man. everyone mm. came up and they brought me milk and honey on a little plateau with like a little date and I could see the effort, man. And I was just like, so taken by it, you know, felt yeah. so held. Oh, I'm glad that happened. I, I uh, as you probably don't know, <laughs> got caught up in all sorts of things in town and I'm meant to be there, but <laughs> I wasn't there. We had this idea just reminding me a bit of um, sending some of the younger people off to Cadder or somewhere wild anyway, to spend a night or two nights on the mountain. But that welcome, I thought there you say, well, Oh, uh, you just send them off like, all right, stay quiet and talk to the guards and we'll see you later. But then like, especially for a young person, you know, mm. when they come down to have like 20 people all lined up there going, you did it. Yeah. Well done. For, for, especially for young people, you know, that like we knew you, you know, not to yeah. make a big deal of it the first time, not to let them know yeah. and then have like welcome back yeah. and uh, and you did something good, you know. Yeah. That is powerful. <clears throat> there's something there, there is something great about going into that place where there's no people you go into nature and to, to which has its own rules and then returning to the human society because it's you're always going to be playing between those two and usually we spend too much time with the people and <laughs> chitter and chattering but you know and for until the the final gate you're always returning to the people and that and that's a, can be done with tremendous style, and we've lost the art of that kind of thing. And no one's really quite sure what to do. And people often come down here and say, "Well, I want to go out into the woods for a while on my own, a few days, and 
and um, will you come for me and, and will you will you bring me back and they want to be brought back into the the world and you just remind me of that the, 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 the welcome is a is a mysteriously powerful process yeah it took me by surprise it really did mm. yeah I didn't expect it at all like well one I didn't expect it to be greeted by the whole tribe you know <laughs> <laughs> And two, like... Well, well done, guys. Yeah, you really... I, I'm so deeply appreciative for, like, you putting that together and, like, being there for me. I, like, <laughs> like as, as you saw, I was just, like, completely blown away by it. It really meant a lot. Kind of made it worth it. <laughs> was it an important thing to do at the end of the day? Yeah, I don't regret it. I mean, yeah, definitely. I'm happy I did it. Because if I hadn't done it, you know, it was an itch that had to be scratched. Yeah. You know, I had to go and do it. As I said, like I've been sitting on this for a few months, and during one of the during the EI in August, one of one of the women who was sat opposite me, she started having this experience, and she saw my face changing. You know, she saw me yeah. as an Indian man. One of the things she said was, "I saw you in a cave," and when she said that to me, like it just rung like a bell. Like you've got to go to the cave. I was like, "Okay, the cave mm. is on." Um, so yeah, I had to do it, but I was sitting there, especially on day two. I was sitting there like. Fuck! I could be reading the book. I could I could read Honey in the Heart in this time, you know, or I could read, or, or I could learn a story, or I could write a new song. You know, I'm here just doing fuck all in a cold, damp cave. <laughs> but um, but no, like having come out and uh, and and be with the tribe again is just like really powerful. And actually, you know, someone said to me like, "What did you miss the most?" Um, and, and we had it just before, you know, just when we all sat down eating this delicious meal, delicious meal mm. that Ollie had cooked for us all. It's literally the best meal I've had in my life. <laughs> I'm not messing. I swear to God, that was the most I've appreciated a meal in my whole life. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, fuck, this is, this is it. This is living, like being with the tribe, yeah. eating delicious food, just everyone's relaxed, everyone's happy. And just that connection that like, mm. you know, just, yeah, that, that feeling of comfort and belonging. It's well, maybe you do have to like take this. it to the limit every now and again because people often come here and they're, <clears throat> they're hanging out with us in our little collective tribal way of living and it's like, oh, I'm so tired of people and everything. That, when's, <laughs> the, when's the last time you went off into the birch woods and sat in the moss yeah. on your own for four hours? And it, it's like, oh, where's that? And so it's about <laughs> 400 yards over there, you know. It's always available, but yeah. people tend, you know... Yeah, forget forget just to walk, turn turn your back, turn your back on the people for a while, and yeah, even for a few hours. Yeah. It's stra it's strange how social we are, and then of course it gets niggly and and, and tight, yeah. rather rather than yeah, like wow, it's having supper with other faces, candlelight is like this, like you just said, this is living. This yeah. Is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a nice point. Gotta do something crazy to make you appreciate it sometimes. Yeah. Okay, the cave. Anything else about the summer? Summer. Bef before you bid us goodbye and go on your travels yeah. to Scotland? I don't want to call it goodbye because I, I know, like, I say this every year, but, like, this has been one of the best years of my life. Like, probably the best year of my life. You know, best summer of my life. <laughs> Does, does life just keep getting better and better? Is that is that how it works? <laughs> You're just horribly positive, you know. Yeah. Gonna, these, these talks are supposed to be inspiring for people that might be struggling through things. Uh, 
You're always having a rocking good time. Don't yeah. listen, folks. He must be suffering somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> go go and take yourself into a cave for three days. And <laughs> yeah. Put, put, him in the, put him in a damp, cold cave where he might yeah. die and yeah. he comes back smiling even more. Yeah, the cave is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's something that's incredible, really. Like, to be, to be here as part of the crew and uh, a real honour, like, like honour and a privilege, you know. Hmm. Uh, to to serve this place and to serve what you've built here is uh, you know I can't I cannot express what it has meant to me and and I don't think I'll know for months or even years like the full weight of all the things that I've learned you know and I, and I feel like I've still only just got a snapshot and like you know this place is is such a it feels like a home to me now you know I feel so at home here I feel so welcomed and, and, and a part of it like I'll, I'll always be in and out you know? I always tell people that you won't learn you won't realise what you've learned until you go somewhere else yeah. and they haven't got it <clears throat> I mean, you came here bristling with all kinds of uh, talents and skills and so forth you know you teach yoga and you've been around you've tried lots of things you've you've done meditation retreats you play guitar amazingly you know how to make it all rock around the campfire and get the tribe dancing and singing and going and those are all really important skills by the way i, I really appreciate and love to see it i came back there from i was away in town or something for a couple of days and arrived back everybody singing at the top of their voices the, the flames are leaping up and not burning too much firewood, but a nice, pleasant fire. And um, guess who's leading the leading the charge on the guitar? You know, it's you <laughs> whacking out the chords. Those are simple little skills, but they still yeah. take time to do. And and to be able to sit still and to be able to do that yoga and do other things too. So, But there is something to be learned in this particular tribal way. And I'm often thinking, so I'm not really sure what I've learned. I say, where did you go somewhere else? And then... You'll see, like some of the things we do with the talking stick, or all just simple little little um, being in ritual space or something yeah. like that, which is not common at all. And um, but might be it's part of the big experiment. And I'd like to think people go away and have some fluency with it uh, as you go to other places. I really miss that when I look at what other people do. They they haven't, you know, an opening ritual, and someone comes on with a clipboard and. So <laughs> announces two or three things and no go on where's the yeah. where's the wild swagger and I think you're ready for it there's mm -hmm. a, there's enough Irish in you somewhere to be good at it a few generations yeah so it's two or three generations I think um, yeah thank you Shiv um, but you want to set something up though don't you you got it in you, you got you something you want to do and you haven't yeah. quite nailed it yet yeah. I'm kind of like piecing it together like as you said like you know the full actuality of it probably won't land for another five, ten years, you know. Like, I'll probably just start mumbling my way through it. Like, next year, I'll run an event, like an aquathon. Like, it, you know, it seems it seems cheap. Not cheap. What's the word? It's not, like, actually what I want to be doing. Like, the, the, the full big picture of it. But, like, it really inspires me. I want to bring people together. I want to, like, I want to do, like, a physically challenging event but there's no competition. There's no winner. You know, <clears throat> I was actually thinking in, in the cave, like, oh yeah, we'll make we'll make trophies, and the first prize is just going to be a dildo. You know, just <laughs> it's like yeah, you can you can stick this on your shelf, or you can you can stick it anywhere else you want. To stick You're it. a little bit rebellious. <laughs> See, I believe in strong leadership, and uh, I love it when I go somewhere and there is a clear leader. And the best things that I've been part of, other people's things now. I'm not talking about my own. 
situation here. I go somewhere else. I, I love to see like this is the person who calls the shots here. And, you know, even if they're too busy to talk, it's like, is it okay if I do this? Have we got a deal? Yes. But when they say, oh, we'll, um, we'll bring that up at the next meeting, I always like, uh, yeah, so it's not going to happen then. But I know you've got a soft spot for that. You, Because you, you've got plenty of things to say. This could be an amazing leader here. But you want to do it the collective way, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have the same, like, I don't know if you call it audacity that you, or like fearlessness that you have in that way. Like, Oh, I'm, yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm interested yeah. in this ideal because one is a, a kind of doubt that it can work. Mm. I also want to bless anyone who wants to have an attempt at something new and different. Things that, you know, the world's in a mess. We need we need people to try things. If they yeah. if they have a feeling like, I, I think I know there's, there's a better way, mm. then, uh, yeah, then, then let's have a go. At the same time, I do like that because I think leaders are the ones who make things work. And not yeah. because they're amazing, special people. That's that, that's not, I mean, you might be, but I certainly wasn't when I started this. It's more like there's something nagging you or something biting you. Or it's, I was just want to ask you about this here. That it's, it's, it was for me definitely, and I often say it to people, I hope it's true, that it's very easy to know what you don't want, but it's not so it's not it's so easy to find out what you do want it's very easier to spot i don't want to be involved in that kind of thing this is not what i should be doing this isn't quite good enough for me i know there's more there's that sort of feeling but then to identify what the thing is itself like especially like well okay could i do that and and maybe secretly we might somehow but it's it's a much more uh, shy evasive vision to know really what what you want and uh but it's it's it life life prods us like it, it, it you know we get pushed here there and everywhere and often i think people don't realize they're pushed around if you're willing to be pushed at all rather than settling for some mediocre thing mm. but you know if you got like right i want the adventure it's easy to spot what you don't want i want to i, I want everything i want to be involved with everything i love everything <laughs> I want Ev- everything excites me it's like yeah let's do that let's do this let's just do all of it you know i love it. i just, yeah i guess if there's one thing that I do have, it's passion. You know, I love, I love life. I've like everything, everything gets me excited, you know? And, um, and one of my teachers said to me when I was like about your age, actually is like, Shivam, you can have what you want as long as it's not everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's tripped me up. It's tripped me up before, but I'm, I'm slowly honing in on what I think it is. You know, What's your picture? A picture. Yeah. sometimes it's private so you don't have to say like, no you know, yeah yeah it. no i'm very happy to share where it's at now it's evolved a lot i mean i've been i had the i had a dream you know at, at uni so when i was like 20 or something right. i sat around with my mates and we were dreaming up the world's best man cave we were saying yeah it's gonna be a big room and have like bouldering uh, you know it'd be a bouldering room with crash mats on the floor uh, and a big projector so you can watch movies and big speakers so you have raves and then a skate park and a free running gym outside and it's all going to be off grid, you know, because I've always been quite, in, you know, as an engineer, yeah. uh, I've always been <clears throat> environmentally orientated. Uh, and I remember just kicking back and going like, wow, imagine if you could build that. And then the light bulb went, bing! I was like, you could. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, have I got a dream? Yeah. Like, is this, is this what it means to have a dream? Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. So I've always knew I want to have a place where people can come together, 
so yeah, it's evolved a lot over the years. So now the extreme sports aspect, while still the sports is a really powerful thing for me. I love using the body. I love pushing the body. Mm. Um, and I, I love giving people those first steps, like, the, you know, stepping on a skateboard for the first time or, you know, it doesn't have to be, I don't want to, I don't want to do it for the pros. You know, I don't want for people to do it for people who are really good. Yeah, I don't want to do yeah. it for the people who are like just doing it for the first time, mm. you know, take 65 year olds and, and show them how to do parkour, you know, it, even if it means just like, all right, we're just going to climb over this really small fence really slowly. Okay. Now I'll do it a bit quicker, a bit quicker. Um, but yeah. Then the permaculture and the yoga and the meditation and the self self inquiry and the, uh, finding yourself became much more important as well. That kind of emerged as a big part of the vision. Um, so where it's at now is basically, um, I want to, I want to, I want to live in a way that, that is aligned completely with my values, mm. which is like, it's just harmony. You know, I love harmony within the self harmony amongst the tribe harmony with the land that you live on. Mm. So, you know, for me, growing the food is a really important thing. Living in community is a really important thing. Living with yourself, a really important thing. So basically having a place where I can do that uh, and, and then I can invite other people to come and experience it with me uh, and basically model a new way of living, you know, because because what we're doing, what's happening out there in the big wide world is fucked. Like everyone knows it. Yeah, it's crying out for a different way of living and no one's exactly sure what on earth that's going to be. But we know we've got to find mm. 10 different ways, 20 different ways or yeah. one way. We've got to have a go. Yeah. So I really appreciate that having a go. But, but just to... Um, uh, just to throw a hook at you, kind yeah, of um, uh, what you're saying. Now, I get it while you're talking about it, it, but it's a personal. So you got this community. How's that community going to be held together in your in your seed image? Because I can see you're going to have to do it. But yeah. what what do you, what do you see? Um, I yeah, I'd like to have a leading role in it. Of course, you know. I'd like to have a leading role. There's a there's a project called Grow Wilder down in Bristol, and I don't know that much about it. I've actually not even visited it, but uh, basically they've got like seven or eight different businesses working on the land, and they kind of all operate independently, but they have a common goal and a common vision, and they all caretake for the land. Um, they're all on the same piece of ground. Yeah, they're right. all a big patch of land, but eight different independent businesses kind of all doing their own thing, and yeah. and that to me that's that's what I want. You know, I want to be a part of something like that. See, I, I had a little think about all that's going on here, and I think we've got the same thing here. You know, there's 200 acres here, and there could be a lot more by the time we're finished. Who knows what what, what the spirit wants? And that, that there's some very specific things that I'm trying to get together, and I need a whole crew and a team, like, you know, people like yourself to help make it happen. But there, there's enough space here that it could be another dream going on. The obvious one is organic, organic farm, you know, and yeah. growing vegetables and growing them beautifully. And for flowers and other animals, you're part of it. I don't know, but um, that could all be. There could be different layers of things happening and um, on the same piece of ground, in a way. Yeah. The, anything is possible, but um, and it bro broken down though into like, well, this is so it's clear. Over here is this. Over there is that, mm -hmm. and that those, and then they then they forge a relationship yeah, rather yeah. than like it's all got to be done under one umbrella. Uh, Really, so that there are small groups of people. Like, you, there's a lot you can do with three, four, five, six people get together, mm -hmm. and then there could be 30 other people interested on the first layer, and there could be maybe 100 people who have a distant relationship who mm -hmm. want to see it happen and want to be part of it. But those little models, like that's what's happened here, really, over the years. And 
I can imagine that, yeah, that they can be happening in the same space and form relationships, you know. Like, we have relationships with the locals and I really like, you know, that people have fixed the cars and we buy some organic produce and lots of things happening, but they relate to each other in a very practical, clear exchange thing. It isn't necessarily monetary either. Yeah, I mean, we'll see where the wind takes me. <laughs> yeah, if it brought me back here to do something like that, you know, that would be, I would love that. You know. Yeah. So, um, anything you'd like to say, or anybody else got a question they want to throw up while Paddy's in the in the hot seat? Yeah, the breaking moment. Um, I guess so. Yeah, thanks, Christoph, for the, the question. Was the breaking moment? Um, yeah, I mean, it didn't come in the way I was expecting it to come. It actually came in a more subtle way when it was like, okay, that when the when I kind of like went into the dreaming and the visualization. Uh, yeah, it wasn't like a it wasn't a shattering of myself and like oh god I can't take things anymore like that didn't happen. Um, I don't know how long I would have to stay in there or what kind of torture I'd have to subject myself to. And even if there would be any fruit in doing it, you know, if I just went out there to torture myself, <clears throat> like, is there something good that lies on the other side of that? Like maybe sometimes, or do you just get really traumatized or like, I don't know, like what if I had come back just like shaking and well, I was shaking when I came out, but, but what if, you know, if I, if I'd come back as just a shell of myself, I don't know if there would be much in that really. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it kind of, instead of being like a one big thing that cracked me right open, it was kind of like this subtle dissolving, really, which happened instead, which was quite nice. Yeah. I asked you your intention. The intention? Ah, uh, song, yeah. Yeah, I did spend quite a lot of time singing, yeah. Yeah, so the intention to learn a song, I sang all for me, Greg, a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's been a bit of a banger this summer, isn't it? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily that a single song came through, but um, interesting practice that I have used before, actually, it was just like humming into that and kind of doing Vipassana whilst you hum and then moving the tone of it up through the body and seeing like where is shaky and where is open. And then when you get a point like, oh, between that note and that note, it's like, you know, there's a, something stuck there. And just keep going over that and over that and over that and seeing if like the constant repetition of like moving the voice across that part of the, the voice box frees it up a little bit. There's one spot in that cave where I used to go and sing there regularly, singing mantras usually and holy stuff with it rather than all for me grog. But, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, that, that is uh, holy. There's <laughs> a, <laughs> a point where, the point where everything, everything comes reverberating back mm -hmm. to you. It's kind of a nightmare. But maybe it's okay to go to places like that with a prayerful intent. This is uh, one of the things I mentioned earlier. We're saying uh, that maybe we do need, uh, or we certainly do need, uh, the, the right songs for certain occasions, certain things. So some of the holy things we do here, like some of the rituals, like, oh, if only we had a good song or the right song or a perfect song and uh so i had to maybe throw the arrow out and it might take a year 
or two years for something to come back. But it's something about it's magical thinking, I suppose, but sending a message out somewhere and then let, letting it go. But having put your own, you know, sat in a cave and gone through the, fasted for it, gone without water for it, made it. That's a that's a big prayer. And then, then it's like you don't know. You don't know what you don't know the effects of these things, you know. Yeah, you can yeah. come out thinking, well, what was that about? But then further down the line, things yeah. mature, and 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 it's a mysterious. When you do need to be able to face yourself, you know that you've done one part of the work has been mm -hmm. done. Yeah. So it's something about well, like, let's just bring it all on and face it now. But mm -hmm. you can't sometimes, like you, like there are times people want to say, oh, well, you know, my grief is building up in me, but. On the ripe and holy moment, you, it comes through and the tears come. Yeah. Another day, no matter what you do, and another day yeah. you got me scared, and another day you don't get challenged. But it's kind of a you're armoring yourself up with the vulnerability mm. of being prepared to be broken. Eh? Yeah. I, 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 I um, yeah. I'm just, there's, there's something secret and unnameably holy about the whole thing. Rather than you know staying in the comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a song brewing for sure. There's definitely a spirit horse song in me that wants to come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. With with a few of the big things that I've done in the past, it's kind of taken a couple of days for this song to land. You know, I've kind of felt it start to like rustle up within me, and then my favorite songs have kind of come through after something just doing a big thing, you know, and then don't necessarily know what's going to be about, but then just blah, you know. It just, just happens. Years and years ago, someone took us on a kind of inverted commas, excuse this word, shamanic journey. <laughs> but, you know, it was supposed to be some kind of a journey with the drum and we all relaxed. And and, it, and um, this lady took us through this quite, it really worked. I, don't know, I can't remember what she did. It was so long ago. It was about 30, nearly 40 years ago, um, where we just came up with one syllable. We were encouraged to find just one syllable and, and I, that syllable came straight away, lying on the floor, and it's like, yeah, that's it. And then um, came out of that, and I straight away wrote a four-verse song, like mm. bam, 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 that really came from somewhere, mm. secret. It's a very, very intensely personal song, which I don't even want to talk about too much. But uh, it's amazing what can, uh, you know, in the right time, in the right place, but that can't be forced, you know. No. And I thought, well, I'd love to write more songs like that, but it never happened again like that. It was just right. that moment where you, uh, an, an individual secret power song, I mean, there's millions of different kinds of songs, but just have your own personal song. And it still means a lot to me. And I sang it with a guitar, you know, as a, you know it could have been a regular thing. It's mysterious where things come from. But yeah. then I've gone into that cave myself, like wanting something to happen, and <laughs> yeah. no, not today. Well, I, I was in there, I was fishing for like, you know, for like it's interesting to say about the syllable. Sometimes for me, it's like you just like the 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 chorus or just like one line of the song lands. Yeah. You know, and it's like ah, there it is. There's a the song, and yeah, everything gets built around that. That's right. And I was there in the cave, like fishing for this one line, like oh, what's it gonna be? Like you know, come to me, mountain. Like what is it? And everything came up with shite, <laughs> all nonsense. You know, nothing, nothing sounded good. And I was just like, okay, like. Maybe it'll come. Not everything can be special. You know, I think that's something yeah. that's, that's, we're not special. What we do isn't particularly special. Uh, everything can't be special. There are times when there's nothing much. It's, and you, you you may be dying for inspiration, but it's a brick wall. Yeah. Another time, 
mysteriously, somehow, life yeah. is in the flow. You meet the right person, the, the weather's yeah. just right, the day's just right, everything works and everything flows, and you learn to ride the wave. Yeah. I know, I know, the, feel, I know the feeling of a song in me. Like, I, 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 can, I know that feeling when something wants to come out. Um, and if it's not there, like, I haven't written much music in the last year, really. Um, yeah, probably haven't been making space and time for it, but like, we'll see maybe over the next few days before I go off to the Scottish wilderness on a men's retreat. <laughs> Time's nearly up, so yeah. we all wish you well on your next journey. I know there's no stopping you. You're, even if you don't know where you're going, you're definitely going to go there. And uh, thanks for your help during this summer, and yeah. thanks for bringing your magic. And may it all increase. And return here from time to time and sit by the fire and uh, kick up the dust, kick up a storm. And good luck to you and good luck. I want to say this while we're kind of recording this stuff. Good luck to anybody else who's in that stage coming out of their 20s, heading into the 30s with a sense of like, maybe there's something I've got to do. And maybe it's going to take quite a bit of climbing mountains and and traveling and shaking hands here and there and offering service and maybe even uh, praying inside a cave to get there. But to, to find, your, find your vision, if that's not too big a way of putting it, uh, for you, Patty, and for other people who feel like, yeah, there's something I need to do in the world, to not give up and not settle for some uh, secondhand thing. And if there's something new and unique and one of the wisest things I ever heard, and I hope it's some use to other people, is like, find the thing that only you can do. Mm. Other people can do this, other people can do that. Maybe you're okay at those things too, but it's something that only you could do. And uh, there's a very enlightened person that said to me over in Parvani Hall in Ireland. So good luck thank on your you. travel. That was a rambling good luck. Yeah, <laughs> well, thank you for your guidance and thank you for being the embodiment of what it means to actually do that with your life. You know, for me, like, I come here and it's like, I can do it. It can be done, you know, so yeah. I always reckon if I could do something useful, anybody could. <laughs> started with so many wounds and, mm -hmm. you know, so many things like this is, this is not a good way to start life. This is not a great place to come from. But almost those, though, I know you have this story too, and all of us do, those, those wounds, those difficulties, those, those seeming limitations, and those, I, those almost negative things coming at us do seem to be, in the end, the the jewels that make us, yeah. you know, get off our arse and do something. Yeah, yeah, if nothing's chasing us or nothing's pushing us, we might not do it. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll check in with you in a couple of years' time. Yeah, I'll be back in. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll cut it there, yeah. yeah All right, thanks, Paddy. Thanks Thank for you. talking and sharing your heart.